Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Needs a block on the quicker. He gets it. And will he go the distance? Yes, he will. Touchdown, Michigan State. As the Hokies deliver the dagger here in Tallahassee. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win. Unbelievable. Here's Collegiately Speaking, your one-stop shop for college football news. Collegiately Speaking. With Dave Ennett and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountain? Collegiately Speaking. Welcome to another edition of Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com. Dave Ennett alongside former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa. His... Old team is headed to the Big Ten Championship oh, yeah. game next month oh, yeah. in Indianapolis. How excited are you, man? Excited. It's been uh, a long time coming. I know everybody that's played for the program is, has been really proud of the guys, the way they fought back after you know a, a pretty tough start. Um, and like we were talking about before the show, everybody's just scrambling to, to get their plans set for Indy. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Here's the thing, Dan. Them going out to Iowa and winning, I, I'll be honest with you. I know they were... 10.5, 11-point underdogs, whatever it was, which to me didn't make a whole lot of sense. But, again, I, I don't totally understand how those things are set sometimes. But uh, I wasn't all that shocked that they won that game. I wasn't shocked either. I was definitely shocked by the spread. Again, I'm not a, a, a big betting guy, but I always assume – you know, given the analytics that Vegas is right, you know, they must know something that I don't. Maybe it's not the eye test that I'm seeing, but um, I, I thought we'd go in and play really well and play sound, and we and we did for the most part. We made play or Northwestern made plays at at the end of the game to to win. So yeah, I agree. I, I wasn't very shocked that Northwestern won. So there they are with a seven game road winning streak, seven straight Big Ten road games. Uh, they've they've gone thirteen and one in their last fourteen Big Ten regular season games the best record uh in any of the power five conferences over the last 14 games whether it's alabama whether it's whoever i mean they, they've gone on an unbelievable run and yeah they they haven't blown people out but week after week they have found ways to win they didn't play great against rutgers but they still found a way to win that game they played very well against wisconsin and they played really well defensively against Iowa Saturday. Yeah, I, I really think it's a testament to the coaching staff and the players um, for just focusing one game at a time, winning one game and having a one-game season every every week. And people, everybody says that, right? You hear that as a coaching cliche and a player cliche, but it's it's really hard to win a bunch of close games in a row, um, no matter who you are. And the way they've done it, the way they've stayed focused, um, you know, the way that they, they haven't let these tough games wear on them. They, whether it's, you know, Wisconsin, a great Wisconsin win or a, or, you know, a pretty ugly was, or I'm sorry, an ugly Rutgers win. They just find a way to, to flush it and move on and, and focus one week at a time. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out against Minnesota and do the same thing, kind of win ugly. It's going to be cold up there. And um, I, last year I wasn't at the game because I chose to, to stay in bed while it was snowing and, and 14 degrees out there. One so. of the most miserable days I have ever seen Oh, my seen God. I, yeah. <laughs> I was scheduled to, to, to get out there, and I was like, eh, maybe I'll watch this one on TV. So, uh, again, I, th- I think they're going to stay focused and, and take care of business the next couple of weeks. But um, it's really just a testament to the coaching staff and the players to, to how focused they are and how great they are in good in tight games. Well, there are still some things to be determined uh, in the Big Ten. The latest college football playoff rankings have Michigan in that 
fourth spot still uh, behind Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame. You also have Ohio State in the top 10 at number 10. Nothing changed this week in the top 10. Penn State moved up to 14th and Northwestern into the rankings at number 22. The Big Ten East still to be decided. Looks for all the world like it's going to come down to that game the uh, two weeks in Columbus, Ohio. But uh, here's a guy who knows all about that and can lay it all out for us, what the what the outlook is. He's analyst for the Big Ten Network and former colleague of ours here, Howard Griffith. Howard, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Thanks for being with us. I know you saw Northwestern winning the West, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I had I had it picked perfectly. Really had it worked out this way that they would struggle in the non-conference and then really just run the table when it came to playing Big Ten games. <laughs> no, no one saw this coming. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing that I think I get that question all the time, Dan. I'm sure you do too. Uh, how does a team go zero and three in non-conference? And granted, now two of the teams they played there. Uh, one was Duke, and, and and the other was Notre Dame, and uh, both quality teams. And then, but the Akron game is the one which which still, even though it's it's very clear why they lost the game because it was three touchdowns off three turnovers. But still, right. people see that game pop up there. How can you have a team go six and one of the Big Ten and win the West, and yet they've got that loss on their resume? Yeah, it's, it's a head scratcher, but I, I got to tell you, it's really is a testament to to what uh, Coach Fitz has really been able to do since he's been there. He continues to get the team ready as the season progresses, and they just get, continue to get better. And I think there's a stat that they're 13 and one yep, uh, in crazy. conference yep. play, and really the only people that have done that nationally is like I think Alabama, Clemson, and maybe Oklahoma. So, you know, he's done an unbelievable job of, of really preparing this team, and he's got to get a lot of credit for it. Even when you look at, particularly lately, when the offense uh, with Clayton has been struggling as far as the passing game, they were able to develop a back and down that really has stepped up and continue to get better each and every week. Yeah, thanks, Howard. Dan Persa here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I think Dave yeah. and I can uh, could probably talk about Northwestern for the entire show, but let's let's move it on to the East. <laughs> kind of talk to us about what you're seeing. Obviously, Michigan's continued to ascend um, in both yeah. the eye test and, and beating great teams. What are you seeing mm-hmm. from Ohio State? I think everybody's a little bit confused of how they're playing the last couple of weeks. They're still, in my opinion, probably the most, you know, without a, a doubt, the most talented team. Yeah. They're not really putting it, it all together now, and you could point to off-the-field things here or there, but what do you think is going on with them right now? And that's the challenge. You know, I think the, the chemistry is probably not right. Uh, they've really been underachieving, particularly when you look at the roster that they have. I think you're absolutely right. You go top to bottom, you know, 1 through 85, it's hard-pressed to find a, a, a roster that is uh, more talented than they are throughout the country. Maybe Alabama, maybe Clemson, or, but, but they're right there with them. Uh, but they really defensively have not found their groove, uh, continue to give up big plays, big chunk plays defensively, offensively, with two of the, the best running back tandems, or one of the best running back tandems in all of the country, have not been able to get that running game going. And this is with an offensive line that probably averages six seven three fifteen, and have not been able to develop that. But they have Dwayne Haskins under center, who, who to me is going to have a chance or a decision to make whether he's going to return back to Ohio State or turn pro. 
uh, when the season is over because I think he's just that talented and his upside is there. But this is a team that's really been different than what we've seen in the past uh, when they've had a running quarterback like J.T. Barrett. Now with Haskins, that offense has changed, and I think that has a lot to do with their inability to run the ball and not having a quarterback run be a major part of what they do offensively. Yeah, and that's a good segue into into Michigan. I think Shea Patterson has, has you know as for as much flack as he caught for the you know early in the season and especially the Notre Dame game, he's really, in my opinion, taken off as as one of the, the premier players in the Big Ten just because he's been able to extend a lot of plays with his feet and as well as make throws. Is is he the difference on on that team right now? I, I know they they always have a, a great defense and you have guys like Jason Winovich on yeah. on the revenge tour, but w- what do you think is, <laughs> is propelling them you know to the to the level they are right now? Well, we think about the last couple of years, obviously Don Brown's been there. So defensively, they've been competing at a very high level and being very disruptive since Don Brown has has shown up. So you have to look at what's happening offensively. And you go back to that Notre Dame game, which was a game that they really played really bad. But I think it was a game where I think they were still trying to find their identity, who they are from an offensive standpoint. And if you think about it, this was his, going to be his first start, his first game uh, in the Michigan uniform. So I think the coaches and players were trying to find where they were going to go and what this offense is going to look like. Now I think he's continuing to be more comfortable, as you mentioned, able to extend plays with his legs. But I think I'll tell you one of the big things that's been different uh, is when he decides to run, when they call uh, some of the runs for him, he really does a great job to me with ball handling and eye control when he's reading that defensive end or the three technique, whoever he may be reading. Uh, he does a great job of really maneuvering him and gets outside and makes big plays with his legs. And to me, that's been the biggest difference. And they utilize the tight ends. Uh, they've got uh, Tariq Black, who's back in the offense. So I, I think they may lack the explosive, huge chunk plays uh, that we expect out of a team uh, of their caliber. But I think they're coming along. And Patterson has been a huge part of what this Michigan you know, offense has been able to do. And I think you have to give some um, a lot of credit to this offensive line. It was much maligned for the last couple of years and even early in the season. They've played a lot better as the seasons continue to move on. Boy, they they really have, and we saw them early in the year in Evanston, and of course Northwestern got up seventeen nothing on them, but then that defense locked them down. And at the time, I think Northwestern was also trying to find itself a little more offensively. Uh, Clayton yeah. was trying to get healthy, and and they had were just getting over the loss of Jeremy Larkin and trying to find mm-hmm. who would that guy be. Uh, that said. Michigan looks now like a team that's going to be very hard to stop. So let's just kind of put on the uh, prognosticators hats a little bit here, Howard. And you know, okay. there's so much over analysis of the playoff rankings. Everybody's trying yes. to, to figure this out. Let's say Michigan uh, wins the next two weeks, and let's say mm-hmm. Notre Dame. I know you follow Notre Dame very closely. You have vested <laughs> interest bit. there. Yeah. So so let's say. Notre Dame does stumble here sometime in the next couple of games, whether it's at Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. against a good Syracuse team or against right. USC, and they both have one loss. And I see a lot of people saying, well, if that happens, then uh, what happens between Notre Dame and, and Michigan there, a Notre Dame team that beat Michigan in Week 1? Yeah, that, that, that's going to be one of the interesting debates when they go into the when they go into the committee room if something like that were to happen. I think it also depends on, hey, maybe it's a, a three-point loss, overtime loss to Syracuse. I think they would get credit for being at a neutral site 
but still hold that head-to-head uh, versus Michigan. But I also think that that 13 data point that they so often talk about, uh, maybe that moves Notre Dame and Michigan closer together, and they use that 13 data point, the championship game, to put a Michigan team over the top. I think that's where not being in a conference, not playing a championship game, could hurt Notre Dame when they're playing, when they have a late season loss, even though if they were to lose to a Syracuse, a ranked Syracuse team or a neutral site, they still may not be able to get over the hump and be on the outside looking in. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I was watching a college football show last night, and Kirk Herbstreit talked about how when the head-to-head matchup is is brought up, it's only mm-hmm. when they are close at the end of the season. And I think it's—I don't know how they're going to make that decision. It's going to be tough. Michigan is a like we talked about before, just a completely different team than mm-hmm. they were, you know, week one. Um, but you know, that's why they, they make the big bust, big bucks on the uh, <laughs> on the committee, right? It's not our job. Yeah, and you know that's the interesting thing, and I know there's a lot of talk about. You know, Michigan being a different team and what they're doing, I think this is a, would be a different uh, Notre Dame team as well, with Ian Book being back in the lineup this week versus Syracuse. But, you know, they, this is a different team than they played early. So it'll be, it's all fascinating. And I, I think, as we all know, the only, the only poll that matters is the last one. And we always think, okay, well, this thing is so confusing, but things seem to shake out. And I think for the most part, the committee really does a great job of getting it right. I think it becomes more and more difficult uh, as the the years pass. So that's why I think you see a lot of people talking about possible expansion. I don't really like the expansion unless you're going to take away some of the non-conference games because I don't want the, the student athletes to be playing, you know, 15, 16 games. I don't think that that's you know fair to them either, uh, to their bodies. So, and I know we're only talking about a few teams that are out there, but I still think uh, it's important uh, that we don't you know put these kids in, in harm's way as far as the game is concerned. Yeah, I mean, it's just the idea of teams playing 14 is still relatively new. Northwestern is going to play 14 (laughs) games. They've never played 14 games before, so it's it's going to be a new experience for them. All right, real quick, Mm -hmm. I have to ask you about Notre Dame, and and I know you're going to be with the uh, BTN tailgate crew. I think you guys are at Purdue this week uh, for Wisconsin-Purdue, which was a game that you know looked like it would have a lot more of a say in the Big Ten West up until – uh, Purdue's loss in Minnesota last week, which right. is still kind of a head scratcher. Uh, maybe not that they lost as much as how they lost that game, but but f- for another day, you have followed right. Notre Dame. Your son's playing for Notre Dame now. Uh, is this team? We saw them in Evanston a couple weeks ago, and and that's a yep. really good football team. Do you think, Howard, that this is a team that that can run the table here? They've gotten so close now. Yeah, it's one of those things, and and, and I got to tell you, have and you guys know this and playing and following it, I could I could not imagine playing under the pressure at the college level that you can't lose a game. Otherwise, your goal is your goal is not attainable, right? Every other conference can lose a game, and you can still have your goals out in front of you for the most part. But to play the way they're playing each and every week, whether it's the coaches or the players, I mean, it's an immense amount of pressure. One that I, I wouldn't look forward to playing, being involved in. But I, I think this is a really good football team. Uh, I, I think when you look at the offensive line, they've had some injuries, but they bounced back. I think Dexter Williams changes what this team is uh, from a run game perspective because he can take it to the distance and take it the distance. And I think 
you put him on a field, any field with any of these teams in, in top four teams, and he could be considered one of the best athletes, one of the best players on the field. So when you have a guy like that in your backfield, I think that makes things a lot easier for you. And then, you know, you got the matchups on the outside with the wide receivers and tight ends who are, who are huge. Yeah. Uh, some big guys that can go out and make a lot of plays and catch some of those 50-50 balls. And defensively, they've been rolling guys through. And, you know, led by uh, Drew Tranquil, who's been playing unbelievable football. Even when he gets banged up, he's able to bounce back. So I think this is a really good football team. Do I think they're Alabama good? I, I don't know. I don't think anybody is right now. But I think everyone else has some has some chinks in the armor that I think, you know, teams can take advantage of. So it's going to be a fascinating uh Next couple of weeks, hopefully they're able to do it and, and they're able to attain their goal of being in the playoffs. Well, that's great insight. Listen, we appreciate your time. I know it's a busy time of year for you as it is for everybody. Uh, enjoy the trip to uh, West Lafayette, and we will see you in Indianapolis when Northwestern faces who again? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Yeah, who knows? exactly. Whoever it is, it's going to be a fun time for everyone. It will. Howard, thanks for the time. Thanks, great Howard. catching up with you. We appreciate it. All right. You guys be great. Enjoy the weekend. All thanks. right. Thanks. That's Howard Griffith from BTN. And, of course, his son Houston's playing for Notre Dame now, and which has got to be a thrill. But uh, it's really a crazy scenario here, Dan. So many things can happen. I mean, Alabama, Georgia beats Alabama, and uh, still Alabama's going to be there. You know, they're not coming out of the playoff. Yeah, I think everybody's kind of rooting for you know the 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 Alabama to roll Georgia and Notre Dame just really throws us up in the air having the you know, the independent in the race. I, as much as this pains me to say, I I think Notre Dame's a really good team, especially with Ian Book. They I was, are really good. I was yep. really impressed with him. I, I think I was when Northwestern was playing them. I was we were right. Northwestern was right there. They just make one play on defense, and he made every throw in the second half. He made every big play that he needed to, and he was getting the ball out of his hands unbelievably quick. And I was, I was like, this is this is a championship quarterback. If yep. they can get close, he he can keep them in the game. You know, I, I heard on the uh, on the playoff ranking selection show. I think it was David Pollock who said. Well, Notre Dame totally dominated that game in Evanston. Well, st- for a while they did. Yeah, I don't and know then, about that. Yeah. And then the stats evened out, and now it's a three-point game, right. and it's third down and five, and and it's it's Ian Book making a play right. on third and five to score the touchdown to put that game away. That was still within reach. So I, I'm not sure. They didn't run the ball very well at Notre Dame in that game, but Book saved him he, with those throws. He won the game. I think he won the game with, with his play, you know, both short and long with the 50-50 balls up to the, the – I mean, they have huge wide receivers, but they couldn't – and I don't know, maybe I was watching a different game, but I didn't think they could run the ball. I, he right. he won that game, especially in the second half. Yeah, I agree, by the way, with what Howard said about their tight ends. They're and they didn't even huge. have their, yeah. their starter maze against uh, Northwestern, but uh, – Cole Komet, uh, who's a young player, uh, and they got a bunch of them who are really good. And their wide receivers look like tight ends, too. Yeah, which well, is Miles Boykin. Yeah. yeah, it's a tough matchup for anybody. All right, let's uh, quickly, the other games this weekend. We mentioned Syracuse-Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Illinois-Iowa Senior Day in Champaign in that one. And uh, the um, Illini showed some progress a couple of weeks ago, but then uh, took a step back last week. And now they play an Iowa team that is on a losing streak going into Champaign. 
Yeah, I think for me, with the kind of the the, the folks that are out of the the Big Ten championship running, the storylines are just. You know, there's a bunch of teams that are just fighting for their for their bowl lives, right? You mm-hmm. have Purdue, uh, Maryland, uh, who else we got? Indiana, uh, a ball, Minnesota, a bunch with just five wins, and all those programs are trying to get over the hump. Minnesota, PJ Fleck, everybody's hearing him, his chatter, and you know Indiana and Maryland trying to to you know survive the adversity that they've seen this year and we'll see i think there's a lot of tough games mid-level games that that don't matter to maybe the big 10 championship but that have huge implications for programs that are just trying to get over the hump and build momentum going to the offseason maryland's got five wins indiana's got five wins purdue still at uh five wins minnesota five and five so uh a lot at stake i mean uh illinois's got four wins they would have to win their last two including Win this week over Iowa, win next week at Northwestern to close out the season. Um, Penn State trying to solidify uh, where they go. And that's the other thing. Even teams that are bowl eligible, they want to go to the best bowl possible. Right. And uh, from Northwestern's standpoint, they're in the Big Ten Championship. They win that, they go to the Rose Bowl. (laughs) But if they don't win that, they're still going to go to a decent bowl. But you certainly don't want to go into the Big Ten Championship game Having lost any, you don't want to go in there. I don't think it, quite frankly, it's seven and five. I mean, you want to be there, but you want to go in there with the best possible record. Right. And I think we heard Fitz talk about it yesterday. And, and people are obviously going to ask the question, say, hey, do you rest guys here? Do you rest guys there? Do you take your foot off the gas? And he, he answered it perfectly. It's not like, you, you know, you're playing in, in NBA basketball or baseball where you, you get, you know, a couple of weeks where you can rest guys. Once you take the foot, the foot off the gas, it's really hard to put it back on and, and, you know, snap snap your fingers and get ready in, in Big Ten championship mode. So he's doing the right thing, keeping the guys in, in the same. They don't change how they prepare, whether they're playing, you know, no offense to Akron, who they lost to, Akron, or playing for the Big Ten championship. It's it's all the same. Um, so I, I'm i pretty confident uh, that they'll go up to Minnesota and then, you know, beat, beat Illinois at the end of the year and, and roll in with some momentum. Yeah, the other thing they have, uh, if, if they win their last two, they would be eight and uh, one in the Big Ten. It's and, impressive. And, and that's a pretty good run. And it would also give them uh, 14 out of 16. Uh, I'm so, I'm sorry, 15 out of 16 yeah. in the Big Ten, which would match their best two-year total in uh, in Big Ten football. All right, let's get to our predictions very quickly here. I think you and I probably already sort of touched on it, but we never want to end a show without the Super Joe prediction of the week. You got one, Super Joe? Prediction to say or estimate a specified thing will happen in the future. Super Joe's predictions. I do indeed have a prediction for this week. Um, I know we've taken a little bit of a layoff, but I don't want you guys to forget that I picked Michigan to boat race Penn State, and that's exactly what happened. It was awesome. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this uh, this week, I'm actually going to Lincoln, Nebraska, where oh, the, the Cornhuskers are home dogs, and I'm feeling that. Um, I love the way that uh, things are starting to get together for Scott Frost's unit. Um, offensively, they're great, but Michigan State is actually really good defensively, especially on the ground. They only give up like two and a half yards a carry. Uh, so it should be a, a, a close one in Lincoln, but I am taking the uh, the underdog. I'm taking the points with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Nebraska Cornhuskers and the points against the Michigan State Spartans who dropped out of the college football playoff rankings this past week. 
Uh, how about you, Dan? You got anything in mind for this weekend? Joe stole my pick, and I agree with you, Joe. I think Nebraska's my man. Those are those are two teams that again are I think Nebraska's ascending and and Michigan State's descending. Um, so I'm scrambling here, but I'm going to go to or I'm going to go to West Lafayette where the Big Ten tailgate is. Uh, Purdue is four and a half point dogs. Um, is Hornibrook playing? I haven't seen any news if he's if he's playing yet. Regardless, I have not seen news. Regardless, yet. I think Purdue bounces back. They they had such a lackluster performance uh, last week, and and Coach Brown's probably all over them. And um, I, I think they they get that win. Um, they're going to win and obviously cover the spread versus Purdue and okay. or versus Wisconsin. All right, and that opens the door for me because you and I differ on that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for the uh, Badgers after losing at Penn State to have a bounce back no this week. Being able to run the ball against Purdue, which is uh, something that uh, Wisconsin is uh, has usually able to do, even though they've had a couple of glitches along the way. But uh, I, that's I fair. Think we agree bad. to disagree. Yeah, I've heard some rumors about Louisville, the Louisville job opening up, and yeah, Brom Brom being a candidate. That would have been a good question for Howard. I would be very interested to see what everybody's saying about that. Yeah, that's uh, super interesting. I wonder how that's going to play out. Yeah, it's uh, that time of year, so right. we'll start it's, to hear it's crazy. a lot of that. And that That's a tough, right now, that program, a few years ago, you look where they are now from where they have been, and there's a big job there to be done. But uh, we will come back next week. That's going to wrap up this edition of Collegiately Speaking. Thanks for being with us. Enjoy all the football this weekend. That's Dan Persa. Thanks to our producer, Super Joe Romano. I'm Dave Edit. We'll talk to you again next week.